we have a we have a musician on. We do. We don't have a whole lot of musicians on these days, and I was super excited to have one on. Yeah, and he's not even from here, so he's not dealing with any yes, of this folks, particular bullshit. If you listen closely, you can you can you can hear Liz moistening, listening to the episode. I don't know why your brain always goes there. I can enjoy, you know, people from the UK without making it overtly sexual. Honey, I can't do anything without it being overtly sexual, and that's why I go there. Well, yeah, that that's like your your language. That's my brand. Yeah, so fair enough. We all he also happens to have a pedigree for those who follow us and are into our friend zone. He is Mr. Anthony Samaroff's brother. Yep. And happened to record an awesome, awesome song with Lee Scratch Perry, which is awesome to me and surprisingly not as well known to other people. But if you don't know who Lee Scratch Perry is, you're really doing yourself a disservice. Yeah. So, you know, Google that and listen to some cool stuff and then, you know, you'll get it. So without further ado, let's actually get into the interview and see what people think. Okay. Your your brother does all that uh, all that debating, so you got to be a little a little ready for it when he's ready to go. <laughs> yeah, um, we'll try and uh, deal with the fact that yeah, I'm, I'm going to try and keep Liz under wraps. Oh no, no, I worked out all of my like Scottish uh, obsession when Anthony was on. I'm, I'm over. It. I I'm going to call bullshit on that and say that. <laughs> That the number of searches for David Tennant in, in that computer upstairs would, would beg to differ. Okay, well, you can go with that if that's what you want to do. It's all right. <laughs> so, anyways, well, welcome, uh, John. Uh, what are we actually going to call you? I, I see that you go by... Just call me Jonathan. Jonathan? Oh, okay. Right on. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I see that you go by Jono or John O. Yeah. How does that work for you? Yeah, Jono... Um... That's for like my solo stuff. So I've got different kind of pseudonyms for different things that I'm working on, you know. And uh, that came after uh, I got back from Australia. In Australia, they put like O's at the end of names and stuff like that. And I came back from uh, visiting Australia and all my friends just started me calling me Johnow. G'day, mate. You know, your name's Johnow. <laughs> okay. Things like that. Nice. That's my best Australian accent, but that's how it that started. I've heard worse. <laughs> One of my favorite bands is from Australia. That's how they sound. Who's that? A 12-foot ninja. I've heard the name. I've heard the name. I've not heard them. They're, they're uh, like a, a gent band. They're pretty heavy and stuff like that. But <laughs> it's always funny because like, as an American, you listen to bands from all over the world. And when they sing songs, they sound like us. Most of them do, yeah. And then you listen to them in interviews like, Jesus, like, that's, that's what that guy sounds like normally? The, yeah, totally. How the hell do I understand? And in another great example, like Ozzy is a classic example. Of like how the hell you can't. Oh. Oh, sure. The guy can't speak to save his fucking life, but the minute you hear him in a song, oh, it's all that clarity. It's amazing. Yeah, it's like, it's the opposite way around. Like, you know, a lot of people complain that you, I can't understand what the singer's saying and I can't understand what the singer's saying, but it's the opposite way around with Ozzy. Yeah. You know, they understand what he says, says like you say when he's singing, but when he's talking, it's like, uh, you need to tune in a little bit harder. So what's it like growing up with Anthony? I, I got I to oh, get, th- get that one out of the way real quick. Well... Uh, what's it like? Jeez, that's a, you could have left the most difficult question to the end, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what's it like growing up with Anthony? Well, there's nine years between us and the older brother, so okay. Um, okay. I guess I, I just, uh, I'm, I'm remembering like the wrestling matches we used to have. Like we'd pretend we'd make these wrestling characters and like. You, 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 so, so you can pretend that there's pretending in that, but I have brothers. I realize how much. <laughs> pretending oh, okay. there is you know how oh. that goes i've been roundhouse kicked in the face and there was nothing pretend oh, about okay. it there was okay. just i was being an asshole <laughs> maybe i was a little bit more diplomatic because I, I made sure he won 50 percent of the time oh well, there you go i guess you also you said have that nine years between you things so that would uh you know that would be an issue indeed but uh so we uh we we don't get lucky enough to have a whole ton of musicians on here anymore we used to okay have them a lot more, but I'm always uh, fascinated, especially like when I see the 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 number of things that you've done with music. Like it's not like you have just this one thing that you do. I came across you because your brother. It's like, hey, you should totally have my brother on. He, he liked the 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 podcast we did talking about the environment and stuff. And he's like, he uh, he's got a song coming out, and he sent me the song. And I will say, I fucking loved it. It was awesome. Like it's oh, a, thanks, it's a great man. track. And and I'm sure my wife appreciates as I do that the video is comedy gold. Oh my god. <laughs> it's so camp. It's Thank great. Thank you so much. 
Thank you so much. Oh, I can tell you a bit about about how that came about, if you like, because it's... Um... I would absolutely love to because surprisingly enough over here, I- I'm surprised the number of people that don't know who Lee Scratch Perry is. It's like he's the biggest underground star in the world, basically. <laughs> I mean, I knew immediately, but like, I will say, hey, dude, this, this dude, totally Lee Scratch, like, who the hell is that? I'm like... Yeah. Who are you? Who are you? Why do I know you? Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> so, so how exactly did that happen? Well, the video came later, but I'd like to tell you a bit, bit about the video because I really appreciate your feedback on that. Um, worked, we worked really, really hard on the video. Um, the hookup, the original hookup was done. A friend of ours, he, he um, lives out in Mali half the year uh, in Africa. Okay. So he does a lot out there with, you know, local musicians and maybe some outside the country more in other parts of Africa as well. But he'd recorded this drummer, great, great drum drummer mm-hmm. from Bamako, the capital of Mali. And uh, this, this that's the beat that was in the song. But basically he met someone that knew uh, Lee's people. And because he was working in Africa, right away Lee was interested in working with someone that was doing these kind of things. Yeah. And so I guess he recorded the drummer. He came to us. We put the music together and we sent it out to Lee and he kind of freestyled some vocals over it. Um, he lives in Switzerland, so I guess he did that out there and sent them back to us. And then we kind of we did kind of cut his vocals up a wee bit to make it into more of a story because he was totally freestyling, which which that's one of the most incredible things about Lee is that he's always been able to maintain his career while being uh, completely spontaneous without, you know, anyone really ever like telling him what to do. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we were putting out our, our first single and uh, we wanted to, to make his lyrics a bit more like of a story that develops over the song. Um, so we hadn't even met Lee at that point. And um, a few months later, I guess, after we sent him the track back, he was touring in the UK. So we're asking his manager, you know, is there any chance we could meet up and put this video together? And so we could. And I don't know how well you know the geography of the UK, probably about as well as I know the geography of the USA. I know like East Coast and West Coast. and I don't know anything else that's in the middle. Well, what I, what I know about the geography of the UK is that it's a lot smaller than here. That's true. <laughs> Like, that is true, actually. Like, the expectations of me knowing the geography of the UK is a lot less to ask if someone, oh, do you know about this this giant continent over here? Like, so <laughs> that's actually that actually makes us a bit less of a story because the only day <laughs> the only day Lee had off was um, a day when he was playing in Brighton following night. So Brighton is right on the south coast of the UK. Mm-hmm. So Glasgow's in Scotland, obviously. So North. I was going to say, like, we had to drive through the night, <laughs> you know, right. all the way to the south coast of the UK to get to get some time with them. So you say that like it's a bad thing, and I'm over here like, God, I have I have like dreams of just being able to drive through the UK, you know, in the middle of the night. Uh, yeah, appreciate the hills and stuff, and all those weird little hamlets. <laughs> well, um, like you probably couldn't get across Ohio in that amount of time, could you? <laughs> I was going to say, Ohio, I know if driving, you can drive at least five hours across the state. Yeah. Okay. Like, And I grew up in New York State, and it's about eight hours to get across the state from one end to the other. Okay. So that's what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so <laughs> I drive across New York State. And that's a shitty drive, by the way. I wouldn't ask anyone to drive across New York State. So if it's <laughs> anything like that drive, I, I do feel for you. Well, you can't really see much at night. You know, you just want to get oh, there. Oh, sure. Yeah. So I guess we, you know, we hired out um, at the function room at the hotel he was staying at. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were all really, really excited. And wow. I mean, I've got to mention the box. So if anyone's not seen the video that's watching this, uh, look up Zanza and Lee Scratch Perry repentance song. And uh, the box is like a character in this video, basically. It's got magic powers. It doesn't like you guys. <laughs> Wait for part two. Oh, good Lord. Right. But, oh, okay. uh, <laughs> but um, you know, we knew that Lee was a kind of quirky character and he liked, you know, abstract things. And so Eugene, my my bandmate from Zanza, um, I'd constructed this box. And you know, when you touch it, the light starts flashing. He's like, you know, I've got a feeling we should do something with this. I think Lee will like this box, you know. Um, so I just wanted to, to put that in there. I'll come back to that in a minute. So Lee, Lee gets to the room and we're all excited and, you know, we don't know what's going on. It's a bit of a panic. And for us, 
you know, he's just like the the eye of the storm, and like we're all like running around <laughs> trying to get things sorted out. And yeah, um, he starts saying that he wants to draw on the walls. Okay, you know, can I write this over here? It's like, oh, and Eugene like instantly really bonded with this guy because I think they're both from the streets. Um, and he's like, oh, no, Lee, you know, and but he likes to basically do these rituals before any event, whether it's a video or whether it's a yeah. audio recording. So. We basically stole this tablecloth, like big white tablecloth from the hotel, and he just started like drawing all these symbols on it to do with the, because he was like, what's the name of the song? Repentance song. Um, so once he was reminded of that, he just started like drawing things with that. And um, Eugene started like with his foot, just eking the box in towards him, like slowly, <laughs> slowly, slowly, because we'd already figured out by this time that he's a total free spirit. You know, you can't really say you know, now's the time to do this. You've got... I, I mean, aside from that, like, he's he's not a young man either. No, he's 84 now. <laughs> yes. He's like 84 we're talking, now. We're talking about an 80-year-old 80 an 80 year old dude, like, who, you know, is a free spirit on top of being 80 years old. Oh, so, yeah. Right. Kind of on his own planet, I imagine. Absolutely. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's an incredible planet, actually. We didn't really realize that, well, this was all going on, but the box got got eked in and eventually went over and he picked it up and he started playing with it. And we were just like really, really happy. And um, we put some candles in there, even though we weren't supposed to, because we know he's into like the elements and fire and water and air and earth and all that stuff. So he got some water, got some fire, uh, even though we weren't allowed to do that. <laughs> and um, But the amazing thing was once he'd finished doing his mural on the floor there, we'd set up this this chair with like plants around it and it's quite a nice looking chair like it's quite a regal looking chair and he finished doing his painting and he took off his cap and he put on this other kind of hat thing that looks like a crown uh-huh. and he sat sat down on the chair like a king you know and then he just held up a lighter and he went <laughs> at, at, at no point did it not look like a, at, at no point did it not look like a throne for the record like I totally just yeah. <laughs> I bought into it in the in the video uh, when he when he finished that, it was like, oh my god, like magic actually exists. I don't know what happened to the energy in the room, hmm. but it totally transformed. And this this whole process, you know, we'd booked the room out for two hours, and this whole process took an hour and a half. Oh wow! And we're not knowing how long he's going to go for, but we just had to go with it. But once he lit this lighter to you know to signify that that was the end of the ritual, like the energy just totally changed. Like it was like, oh wow, this is like you know magic, like. He, yeah. <laughs> it was incredible. And then basically Eugene started talking to him. as like, Lee, would you mind doing this? You know, would you mind doing that? And then it was totally cool. And um, we got the, the shots that, you know, most of the shots that we wanted, we got with Lee. And then came back here to Glasgow and did the rest of the, the scenes with the box in it and, and put the single out. And we're up to, what, 25,000 streams on Spotify. Is that good? I don't know. In a couple of weeks. I, I'm, I'm assuming I, I nothing so. I have on Spotify has that many streams. So, I mean, yeah, yeah you're doing great. Um, video's doing as well. That's just past 30K. So, like, this is on Facebook. So, yeah, that's, like, pretty. I mean, I guess I should ask you, like, how much do your normal albums uh, go and put out? How many of you listens to those usually get? <laughs> well, yeah, not, not it's like a little little trickle compared to that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'll check. I'll, I've still to get the first report through, but you know, it was it was never about um, it was never about the financial aspect. Yeah. Uh, it was just well, I mean, an incredible. That, I would, it was something like that. I wouldn't care if I made anything off of that. It's just the idea. Like that's something cool to just put on the resume. Hey, at least oh, yeah. Perry. Yeah, incredible experience. So we're still talking to him, and we'll see how long this goes on for. And you know, there there may be more to follow. Oh, sweet. awesome! Well, because the, the, that's kind of my next question was. So I've listened to some of like the teaser stuff that you have uh, on that same YouTube channel, and I mean, there is a, a decidedly different quality between that song mm-hmm. and the uh, the rest of the material that you guys do. That's right. And I'm I'm kind of always fascinated by electronic musicians in general, um, just because they're. It's so not what I'm used to. I'm very used to the, hey, I'm going to get a bunch of guys and we're going to go pl- grab guitars and play some music. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the idea of like an electronic group has always fascinated me, especially like I said, I, one of my favorite groups is Goldfish, which is a two-man electronic group. They're notable because they like work in, you know, saxophones and flutes and upright okay. bass into like their electronic DJ sets, which is interesting. Right, oh yeah. So, I mean, what's the dynamic? Like how is this whole... 
Zanza thing work out for you? Why, why did you decide to do that after? I mean, it seems like you've had a, a long time working as a uh, you know solo musician. So I've always you know liked to do different things, and solo musicians is great. And I you know I travel around, and normally not now, but normally I would be traveling around um, playing gigs pretty much every weekend, and and that's great. But I like to do other things as well. You know, mm-hmm. if I just do the one thing, I start, I've always been like getting stale and I like to delve into different things. So as far as the Zanza thing goes, well, Eugene's a longtime friend of mine. We met, you know, he's a couple of, just a couple of years older than me, but we met maybe early twenties. And I guess every now and then we just had a jam session, like what you were talking about. Yeah. It, mm. it wouldn't, be electronic instruments at first it would be bass and drums or a bit of guitar and vocals but we did like always mess around with your delay and your reverb effects the same way you do in dub music and stuff like that although that kind of aspect of it has developed a lot as we've gotten older and as you know the the effects the plugins that you use of as i say the technology in that department has changed a lot in the past yeah, couple of years so. absolutely um but you know there's still benefits to doing things the old way but i guess I mean, even taking the Lee Scratch Perry collaboration aside for a second, like the other sketches that are on there are, are are a bit different to each other as well, you know, and we do throw in... No, absolutely. We do throw in different instruments, but we were not prepared for this, you know? Yeah. We were not prepared for this <laughs> situation. All of a sudden, a friend calls us and say, hey, we can do something with Lee Scratch Perry. And we're like, we've just been messing around, but... You know, we, we we knew his music and we definitely listened to a lot more of it after that because we wanted to construct something that he'd be happy with. And when we're shooting the video over that two hours, he just wanted it on a loop, you know. And yeah. that in itself for us was like, oh, my God, like he I really, mean, dude, that, that really hook, likes this. That hook is so good. And like there's even a couple of times where like I'll throw it out, throw the Spotify on there and it'll just play the instrumental right after it. And I, I, oh. I don't even, I don't even always bother to turn it off just cause it's like, I got that, that track and that, like that, that feeling is so good in that song. It's such a good vibe. Oh, nice. Thank you. So, <laughs> so I mean, I'm, I'm saying I'm probably at least, you know, 10,000 of those listens, you know, <laughs> that I'm good for. <laughs> I'm not sure if it was like a kickback policy or anything, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, man, it's, it, it, you said it's, it's, it's interesting, but like, when you listen to the other stuff, there's decidedly it seemed like more of an electronic band kind of feel to it. Mm-hmm. Is that stuff mm-hmm. that you'd done prior to the Lee Scratch Pair thing, or is that stuff that you just kind yeah. of, well, hey, we have this, now we should probably utilize this recognition no, we're getting? we did it prior. We did it prior. And the, and the thing is um, that, you know, when you're working with a, a name, like a proper name, like Lee, you, you want to do the whole thing justice and... My sister used to work in a le- uh, record label, a record label. <laughs> it got my L's and R's mixed up for a second. And, you know, there was eight people working in her office and it's just me and Eugene. And we've got to do all these jobs to make sure that, you know, this this um, release gets the best response it possibly can. Yeah. So, I mean, he lives an hour and a half away from me. We meet up once a week and the past you know few months it's all longer it's all been about this one song and we've not had time to go back and develop the older ideas that we've put out there hmm. i'm curious how long the uh, actual production process took on that song because i mean it's a very well produced song on top of being a good song like i mean a lot longer than you even imagine <laughs> there's for for a number of different reasons there were hundreds of man hours put into that one song just the production of it that makes sense to me yeah I, if if i have it have it made clear i'm i'm also a musician so i'm i'm also fascinated in like the nuts and bolts of like the recording process like that that interests me so i, I know how many hours i've spent working on my own songs and i'll just yeah. sit there for eight hours a day yeah <laughs> for a week yeah. going it adds up i don't, it really I don't like up. i don't like that snare drum what the hell can i do to that yeah, snare drum exactly Exactly. And you pour it's, over it. Oh, absolutely. And um, uh, it's reminding me, I heard uh, Trent Reznor being interviewed hmm. um, and he was asked, you know, how long do you spend on your production? And he said, not as long as people think. You know? <laughs> oh, no, I, I absolutely buy that. I used to, yeah. I used to okay. be managed by Trent's old manager, John, okay. in a band I was in. And I've, I've heard enough stories about Trent. <laughs> Well, it's just not usually the most favorable stories about Trent. Okay. 
we can talk. We can talk about that another time. Yeah, yeah it's like, right. I, I I know his manager from the downward spiral era. We'll okay. just say that. Yeah, that sounded like a tough phase. It, there's some history there. <laughs> but uh, so is is there something different that you get out of like? the style of music as opposed to doing the acoustic style. I mean, like from some of the live videos, I mean, you can tell you're as a guy who plays acoustic guitar and does the solo guy shows, like there's definitely a, yeah. uh, what do you want? What do you, what do you call it? Liz? Uh, an intimacy that's different there. Oh yeah, sure. As I'm sure there is like when you're, you're working to try and create something for mass consumption. Like you, were you working in the studio? I guess I'm getting at the difference of like that live thing versus a studio experience. For sure. I mean, the studio, first of all, is a very insulated thing. And when you're going out gigging, then that's, you know, that's my extroverted side comes out. Um, and I can just let go a bit. And uh, if I'm staying close by, I can have a few drinks uh, at my gigs. I don't really drink and I've never tried drinking in studio work. I just can't imagine that marrying up. Um, I know that weed and studio work for me don't work. But yeah. that's, I think I think it's oh, a case yeah. by case basis. Yeah, that means heavy concentration, like, and that don't work. Like, if you're getting down to the technical details, yeah. I, I I I did it as an experiment one night. I'm like, you know, fuck it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna smoke this weed, see what happens. And that was a, I just deleted those sessions. We'll just say that. Yeah. <laughs> nothing, nothing usable whatsoever. It's okay if you've got someone else there pressing the buttons for you, like doing the complicated stuff. <laughs> Maybe. If you just want to like, smash out a guitar riff, then it might be okay for something like that, but no. I think I can just run my cell phone if I ever want to do that. Just, okay. just click click voice notes and play stuff. And way, <laughs> way, 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 way easier. So how long have you been performing? Is performing like your, your, your actual career? Or what do you do for a day job? Mm-hmm. It's all music related. Um, it is basically just, the gigging and the production work. Okay. Actually going back, but I'm always trying to, I'm, I'm always in this kind of juxtaposition with myself because on the one hand, you know, I'm doing all these different different things and I'm working on different styles of music, but I'm always like trying to bring it back together because it always just goes out and everywhere. And I, I don't know if I ever will be like this coherent like stream of, no, this is my sound. This is my style. This is what I do. I'll send you to my band camp and then you can, yeah. you can feel better about yours. <laughs> okay. <laughs> my, mine, mine could go from country all the way over to like thrash metal. So okay. <laughs> there, there is well, absolutely nothing coherent in my career. So. Well, uh, well, you know, it's, it's good sometimes, I suppose. Um, but um, there's a couple of uh, EPs that I've recorded recently. For, for other artists, um, give them a shout out. One's for Gareth Ike, Industry of Lives, and uh, another local band here called Subtopian Planning Board. And I guess Gareth... I like that name. I like that name as well. Not everyone does. I think it's a great name. Um, so Subtopian Planning Board, I kind of see them as like Radiohead crossed with Depeche Mode. And then that's exactly the band I imagine having that yeah. name. <laughs> so. And then Gareth and now- is... Out of Go curiosity, on. good Radiohead yeah. or shitty Radiohead? Well, good Radiohead. Okay, I come. I know yeah. that basically, that just means Kid A and everything before that. Yeah, pretty much. I'm pretty not much. not a fan of anything after that. Yeah, I don't even quite settle in with Kid A myself, but definitely the stuff before. I, I, I was yeah. being generous with Kid A. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Throw Radiohead a bone. <laughs> I mean. Not like not like Tom York needs it, but I mean, yeah. I don't think any I don't think anything can compare to that washer reverb on uh, subterranean homesick alien like that. That's forever gonna be like, <sighs> yeah. If I'll, there's a reason to do drugs, that song's the reason. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, that's what I'm into. I love my reverbs and delays in production. And what I actually wanted to say about those those two acts that are different to each other because Garth is kind of like acoustic indie, but when I was producing it. I was still in the middle of producing with Eugene the song with Lee Scratch Perry and Mm -hmm. we were experimenting with all these new reverbs and delays and I was like, we were getting so into it that when I did the work for Garth and Subtopian Planning Board, I started throwing, like using delays and reverbs in ways that you would in dub music, but still getting it to fit the style. And Mm -hmm. I really, really loved that. I was like, oh, right. I think I'm on to something now. <laughs> but then, you know, I finish that and then other things happen and like completely different, you know, and you can't always can't always use the same techniques. But I'm I'm always kind of trying to find that 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 sound, you know. Yeah. 
Um, so is 2017 the last time you've released original music, or is that just the last time you've updated your Bandcamp? I'm curious. Bandcamp, geez, all this social media stuff. So, are you which Bandcamp are you talking about for uh, my own? We'll say so Jono. Jono. Yeah, or do you I have just other stuff you put out. Um, no, I've literally the last two or three days now. I finished all this promo. I like. I yeah. wrote to hundreds and hundreds of Spotify playlists for this Lee Perry song. Hmm. I finished that. I'd already done all the other playlists. The only one we've not looked at yet for that is SoundCloud. But anyway, I digress. I finished that and now I'm working on my own stuff, a few of my own stuff. And I've got, because I'm always doing so many things, like the last few years since I've put out my own second album, Culture Is Your Cult, I've not... I love that name. Thank you. It's a great title. Um, I've not I've not written any new songs. I've got lots of little sketches, and you'll know as a guitarist, you know most of most of the sketches I write tend to be in A minor or in E, and so I've got you know one section. It could be a verse, and maybe I'll have a melody or some words, and a guitar line. And I've just been like putting those into a project and kind of seeing which ones can go together. Yeah, I really don't know when I'm going to have time to to sit down and actually write again because it's like one of these things that I think if you stop songwriting for a while as I've done um, then it's kind of hard to get into it as a soloist I mean if I'm collaborating with someone else on a song it's like ideas fire and fire and fire but if I'm just doing it by myself because I've not done that for a while I find it kind of hard to Construct full songs. You typically yeah. write with guitar. Are you more of like a chord based uh, writer? Are you like riffs? Like, what's what's your way of approaching? Definitely chord based. Definitely okay. chord based. Yeah. That's why I, I was laughing because when you your uh, your um, URL for your website, I think I actually tried to buy that a few months ago. Did you? Uh, I went looking for it for a product. I was looking for like a. <clears throat> I was going to try and do an info product on the internet and kind of like go over with, over with people how to. Go out and make money, you know, doing like the the bar circuit, playing the cover songs and doing okay. that. Cause I know how to do that. And one of the uh, ways in which I want one of the ideas for a company I was uh, looking for was was me and my guitar. <laughs> and and I uh, it was unavailable because some jackass had it, so I had to go with something else. <laughs> Unlucky. <laughs> but, there you uh, go. It do is, you know it's, 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 it's funny. grammatically incorrect as well. Oh, oh, absolutely, but I, but it, but it makes sense. It's what yeah, people would search <laughs> yeah, your, that your, totally. Your your brain leads you there. That's why I thought of it. So I I totally think that you should be capitalizing on the fact that that could be an info product. So just find something to s- splash on there the the first page. I don't know what an info product is. So I'll need to Google that. I, you know, just put up a put up a. Uh, uh, I mean, why do you not know what this is? Like, this isn't what your brother does. Yeah. God, call call up Anthony and be like, Anthony, I need an info product for my website. An info product, yeah. <laughs> like, as you say that, I'm trying to visualize what that could possibly be. And I literally have no idea. Like, All e- oh, right, e- a product that you sell that gives people information. Yeah, that basically. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's, well, it's, it's like a lot of people do like online courses. Yeah. Or yeah. what are those? What are the, what's that big one they, they do is the... Uh, uh, the mastermind or whatever. Well, not even that. I was gonna say oh, masterclass. The, or like the the workshop, the ebook. The ebook. That's what the, the big e-book. one is. Yeah, just have an ebook that people can pick up. Yeah, there you go. And make sure you put put your 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 stuff on there. Get more work that way. I really need something else to do. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> right. From the sounds of it, you'd get bored if you just weren't doing something different. I'm just trying to throw something different into the mix. You know. Sell, sell, sell. Yeah, it's funny. I've never <laughs> been. Um, I've never been a salesman. Really, I've always. I loathe it, but even my um, my albums when I'm gigging, I just like if someone comes up and says they're enjoying the gig, I'll just like give them a free CD because I've still got some there. Like you put your phone number on it and say, "I, I see," you know, and then hopefully they give you a call with the breasts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess the closest uh, I've come to like selling things it's like here i'm doing this thing um if you're interested in it great if you're not interested in it it's great well, that's good sales though <laughs> you just yeah. make, so. make you're trying to find the people that want the thing that you're selling that's, that's marketing <laughs> 
How's it going? This is Nikki P, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by our neck of the woods. I sure hope you enjoy listening to Peace Freaks as much as we enjoy making it. Now, as much fun as it is right now, I know it can be a lot more fun. And the way to make it more fun is to grow that community. Unfortunately for us, growing anything organically on the internet is a thing of the past. And as much as I'd like to dump Irma's college fund into growing the show, that would make me a bad parent. So if you want to help create a bigger, more badass community, stop by UpgradeTheShow.com. We have monthly and yearly fiat options and one-time and yearly crypto options. But don't go thinking an upgraded community is all you're going to get. All patrons of the show get access to the Freedom Choir, chock full of bonus shows, and our Zoom link to watch our interviews live. So head over to UpgradeTheShow.com and help us upgrade this freaky little community. Um, out of curiosity, just... Because you're a little older than Anthony, so like, I guess, what kind of stage of your life are you in that you managed to do this? Are you, uh, you know, married with kids? Are you the perpetual bachelor? Just kind of, yeah, like, the starving I artist. I see, I'm not the starving artist. Um, I seem to be on perpetual, perpetual, perpetual bachelor track. Okay, that's the track I seem to be on. Um, not necessarily by choice. I think it's just because a I'm very, I'm a bit. Maybe I'm awkward. Maybe I'm a bit socially awkward, you know. Maybe I'm, uh, maybe it's not my fault. Maybe. Is that I, something I, that runs in the family? Probably. Probably. And, and, you doesn't your, and just that. for the record, doesn't your brother give courses on that? He does, actually. Isn't that one of your brother's info products? <laughs> it's true, but I'm actually okay to be socially. I'm okay with myself being socially awkward. I don't necessarily want to change it. Um, I'm really not very tolerant. Because I've got so much going on, I'm not very tolerant in terms of being distracted from all the things that I want to do. And that's like, I'm literally zero tolerance for that. So that kind of, yeah, people kind of pick up on that right away. You should ask Liz about our first date. Les, tell me about your first date. It was just basically him telling me about bands for four hours. I think we were planning, I was planning to go to the Art Museum. Well, no, that was the second part of the date. The first part was, hey, let's get all of our baggage out here now so we can decide oh, if it's well, worth yeah, doing yeah, yeah. this. For sure. <laughs> well, well done for getting a first date. I'm- <laughs> had we actually, just for the record, had we gone on the date she wanted to do, we probably wouldn't be married. So what date did that- you want to do, Les? I wanted to do the Art Museum, uh, which he okay, obviously yeah. would have just, not had patience for because he's not that guy. Look, so. I have patience for it. I'm just my way of experiencing an art museum is picking on all the artwork. Right. You wanted to appreciate it. I want to turn it into a stand-up routine, which is fine. They're both. They're both. They're both val- valid experiences. You know. Totally. <laughs> well, it worked out, obviously. Yeah. Yes. You're yes. To you guys. N- not making not making that date happen totally worked out well for us. So, um, what is the uh, the next big endeavor that you're looking at? You know, um, I how do you, um, fo- how do you follow that up? Like, I just quit at that point. Oh, yeah, but you, you say that, but you know, when music's in your bones, you can't really get it out of your bones. There's always got to be something else going on, you know. I am, um, well, with the Zanza thing now that you know the promo is all over, maybe we can start doing some more with that. We've got another couple of collaborations in mind. But we need to finish a couple of tracks before we can do that. I'm also work. I'm just saying, if at any point J.K. from uh, Jamiroquai is on your list of possible collabs, like I'd love to hear that one happen. J.K. Okay, <laughs> that would be. I don't. I don't know how about you. One gets him on a track, but no, neither do I. I think you need to buy him a Ferrari. Oh well, okay. You get to get to go in the go in the stable of Ferraris. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that would that could be interesting for something funkier. Um aside from that, we don't really know how that's gonna go. We need to we need to spend more time working on our productions and I'm also working on um a portfolio for myself as a producer. Oh, cool. That's what I'm gonna be working on in the next couple of months because what I found is that I seem to be sandwiched between two worlds. One world is, you know, the unsigned world, people that are you know, doing music for the love of it. Yeah. But they've got they've got no budget. And I've seen myself numerous times in situations where I voluntarily, without telling them, work myself for far less than minimum wage. Yeah. Because I will not drop my standards. Yeah. I don't want anything, any of my work to come out like, okay, you've got three hours, you know, record, right? You finish your three hours, press stop. There you go. Here's your, you know, here's your USB stick with your 
rough mixes, and I I can't work that way. So on the one hand, yeah, I've got I've got the unsigned, and on the other hand, there's this gap between where I am now and the world of the music industry, where people that I could work with might have a bit of you know support behind them, yeah, mm-hmm. and I can actually get paid appropriately. So my idea is to put this production portfolio together because. I read somewhere that producers have managers as well. Ah. I didn't know that until about a year, two years ago. I thought you so, just go to like fancy parties and like hobnob and whatnot. I wish I knew where those fancy parties were. That's isn't that why you become a become a waiter? Isn't that how everybody does it? <laughs> you know, you're just happy you know, selling canopy or giving out canopy and oh hey, by the way, you know, uh, tell oh, the producer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's never annoying. That's very American. Okay. It's very LA. Have you ever listened to Mayor Hawthorne? I've heard the name, but I can't say I have. So so Mayor Hawthorne was on Stone's Throw Records. And literally, that is how he uh, managed to get like picked up. He was a producer from Detroit, essentially. And so he, he, he wanted to become a hip-hop producer. And then he did this project. like He, he, he didn't want to have to get through any legal hurdles clearing songs. So he went through and recorded a bunch of like old 50s style like music, like 50s, 60s stuff. And like they sound great. Like they have that, that aesthetic of like the classic R&B music. And then he'd use those as samples to make his like hip hop tracks. Uh-huh. And so like he was handing out CDs at, while he was working a party out in L.A. when he moved out there. And the he gives out a copy of the CD and he appended to like that. He put the originals of the stuff he sampled to with the R&B, the hip-hop stuff, whatever. And the dude actually, the, the front, leader of Stones Row actually calls him up and he's like, you know, asking him questions. And he could have could have gave two shits about all the hip-hop stuff, but he's like, man, I really I really like this other thing that you're doing here. Uh-huh. Like, how do, how do we... And so this guy who moved, moved out to LA, wanted to be a hip-hop producer, starts a career, like, as like a, you know, a nouveau pastiche band doing like this 50s, 60s style music. Mm. And like his career kind of took off as that, but it was like just something that he did so he had backing track for his other endeavor. It's amazing the stories you hear about, you know, oh, I just happened to do this, you know. And It's never the one no... that you pour your heart and soul into either. It's the yes. one that's just a, a goof. <laughs> it's incredible. But, the, you know, the, the thing is, you only hear the success stories, don't you? Oh, yeah. You know, that's a funny thing because um, <clears throat> there's definitely... Um, this might be interesting to talk about um, this whole philosophy of, you know, just believe in yourself, just believe in yourself. And um, that's all it takes. But then if you, if, if you don't get to where you want to go, and I have no actual clear idea of where I want to go, then it's because you didn't believe in yourself enough. Mm-hmm. You don't well, hear from the people that, you know, you don't hear from the other side. A lot of musicians are very much, you know, into the, the spiritual thing. And um, I'm not knocking it. It's uh, you know. Well, that's going to lead into the, explore. It's going to lead into the next thing I have to ask you. Oh, about. really? Um, but what, so what? What I would say is, I I personally feel like you have to have that belief to get there one way or the other. If you don't have it, you're not going to push hard enough to deal with the bullshit that the career is going to throw at you. Being a musician well, is not glamorous for like uh, until you reach a certain point. So getting there, you, if you don't believe in you, nobody else will. Now, granted, there's a there's a lot of people that don't like that that's not enough for but without that you're never going to get like you're you're basically without that that's a bare minimum of what you need that's a fair point yeah i never thought about it like that <laughs> it's like yeah you can believe in yourself all you want and yeah it may not work out but if you don't believe in yourself then it's yeah nothing's ever happening so yeah you're never even going to get to that point it's funny thing um there's so many stories i could tell you without naming names about musicians i've worked with in the past that have gone on to, to bigger and better things where... You're allowed to name drop if you want. I mean, whatever. Yeah, it's probably better if I don't. But, you know, I'm thinking of situations where, you know, the record label or the management company that picks up these artists puts out stories to the press that are just complete nonsense. But the idea behind the story is to present the artist or the group as someone that was just cherry picked. Look Mm -hmm. at this person. This person is just like you. 
But yeah. they had this lucky, lucky break. And oh, look how lucky they were. And but don't forget, you know, this person is just like you. And that's the whole that's the whole mood of the stories that they're putting Wait, out. Have you been wa- have you been watching what's going on over here in the States and like the way all of our all of our Hollywood personalities are just like us in this you know, they're they're making Zoom call meetings and doing the shows on okay. Zoom and oh, you know, we're stuck at home just like you guys are, just living the same life, you know, never mind my 20,000 square foot home or my butler and my three nannies, you know, but we live just like you. Um, well, that's it. You don't see what's going on behind the scenes. Well, even like in that handpicked thing, you're, you know, this one thing that I've been coming is becoming very, very clear to me. And I didn't see it as clearly when I, you're, I was a kid. You just see famous people and it's like famous adults. I never realized what a stranglehold Disney has had on like who gets famous for a long time. In what sense? Um, basically, like everybody who's famous as an adult was probably famous as a child and working right. in one one form or fashion for the Disney company. Okay, there's like, and you see a lot of it. Like I was very very taken aback because I, I people that I never thought of as being child actors. Because they were never big child actors, but they came mm-hmm. up through the basically through the farm leagues, so to speak, and they, they may have been like a bit character on something. It's it's really interesting to me. Um, so, but the question I really was going to kind of curious to get at is whether or not I'm not sure if you knew this, but this was a, a politically driven show for most of its uh, world. Now it's just kind of like me dealing with my midlife crisis. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but I'm curious uh, on the uh, like, what's it like being a musician? politically in uh over in the uk in particular uh over here there is definitely a type of person i feel like that becomes a musician and i know for me personally in a lot of ways i do not fit that uh i don't fit that that kind of personality all that well uh at least certainly politically you know it's very very uh lefty okay not, not trying to be derogatory about it but like like you said, there's like a, a spiritual element to a lot of people yeah. that you know if that's your thing, and I don't begrudge anyone that. Neither um, do I. But but it's definitely not really who I am, and I think at times it's difficult to perhaps not toe the mainstream ideals. Um, is is that something you've ever come across there? Or are you kind of normie yourself? So I mean, I um I guess my views are pretty much what you'd call minarchist views, okay. um, at least. So, um, but in terms of like how it affects me as a musician, is that what you're asking in, in my, in the, in my environment? Yeah. I mean, I know there's a lot of, there's a lot of my, my, my like personality in life that just never comes in contact with that. I am very clear never to talk politics because I know that they would get me blackballed from working. Yeah, I, I mean, all I do is if before before they locked down all the places where I was playing, leading up to it, I, or even prior to that, if it wasn't specifically related to this lockdown situation, I would just occasionally throw in jokes, yeah. jokes, make a joke of the situation, like say something about the new world order or whatever it is, you know. Okay. But I would I would never like go on the mic between songs telling people what they need to do to sort out our political sure. system you know that's why you're not famous you're not you're not making appeals to everyone voting for a specific left-wing candidate which granted in your country would just be any candidate but <laughs> oh no which... I, I would just tell them not to vote for anyone <laughs> nice we're ruled by consent so and part of me is very curious to see what would happen if they didn't get enough votes for consent. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. to be honest, I know exactly what happened. They do exactly what they're doing right now because I know here in the States, if uh, none of the above was an option, it would win every every election. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Apparently, apparently 25% of the population saying you're allowed to rule the others is enough for them to do what the hell they want. Oh, really? Yeah. That's, that's I didn't about realize what, it was. That's about what voting in America is. Okay, because what they do here, I'm not sure if they do it the same there, but what they do here when they talk about how many people need to vote is that certain groups are, I guess, excluded. If you're not on the voting register, like you need to register to vote, mm-hmm. uh, I guess. You just do it once in your life here in the UK, I think. You just register once. I've never registered to vote. Um, but then they take the percentages out of that, and I guess people 
under the age of 18 here aren't allowed to vote. Yeah. So they don't get counted into the figures. Um, yeah, I'm not sure how, how they make yeah, their statistics. I, I, I guess I couldn't tell you what, what it is like in the UK. I know here, like, essentially... When you, by the time you get to like what the people that actually are of a legal age to vote and the people that do vote, like it's something like a quarter of our country is all that manages to tell. They get to dictate how the rest of us live, apparently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm like, how how low does that number have to get? I I kind of feel like it's the government's dream to get everyone not voting. And it's like, yeah, cool, just let us do what we're gonna do, and you guys stay over there and listen to you. Um, I, yes. I'm not sure if you. I don't, I'm curious. Like while we're recording this, like we have a lot of uh, a lot of turmoil in American cities going on right now. You guys, yep. are you seeing that over there? Yeah. Well, we're seeing that. Yeah, definitely. Just on the news and whatnot. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm curious. I'm curious what it looks like to you because, like, over like uh, on the ground here, most of the exits in my our city here in Cleveland to downtown were closed off today. Okay. And and I saw some military personnel down there making sure that they were barricaded off. Which is, uh, I don't know how many military people you have wandering around the streets of your city, but it's an abnormal thing here. So it's a little frustrating to watch. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just totally abnormal here as well. I know that the military were carrying out exercises just outside of Glasgow, where I live for the couple of weeks running up to lockdown actually being yeah. implemented. And I uh, can only speak for myself, really, when you ask me what it looks like. To us, I've uh, I thought right from the beginning they wanted they were hoping for enough of a backlash to to impose martial law. Hmm. Now that now- well, it is odd that when right when everyone is really starting to ignore the lockdowns, yeah, you know, all of a sudden we're we're in the middle of race riots. That um, we had a curfew yesterday uh, on Sunday from noon and noon until eight o'clock this morning. Yeah. So well, on a Sunday, we like I got a message from the the county or whatever it is saying stay in your home. You're not allowed to leave until eight o'clock tomorrow morning. You go on your on your um, mobile phone. Yeah. Yes. Now the now the night before it had been eight eight at night until eight in the morning, which is tyrannical at best. But at least I could kind of make sense of it if you're trying to quell the masses, telling you you're done fucked up. I felt noon, like literally, basically saying, "Here's an entire day. You're not allowed to leave your house." Was a bit. Uh, well, it- not sure how anyone can justify that. It's incredible. Like what what I find incredible about the situation, and it's not started now, right? This situation started with Trump getting into office and Brexit being voted through, um, although it's not been implemented yet. This incredible divide where both people actually, both sides of the divide actually care on the most part, have the best interests of humanity at heart, hmm. but both sides more and more are mudslinging. You know, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about really insulting each other, and there's less and less dialogue in the middle. And you'll probably know yourself about these. I mean, I get called a racist often enough, so you know, there's that. Oh, it's 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 such a throwaway insult, and it's done so easily. Well, well clearly, considering you know, yeah, well. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I'm just it's, like I, I can't just. What do you do? Like some mudslinging. That's what we're talking about, right? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, it's incredible. And and the dissent is being silenced on social media, isn't it? Yeah. We're hearing about channels getting taken down. Um I'm curious. I'm curious. So I don't know. Do you are do you guys hear about like the Boogaloo Boy memes and stuff over there in your country in any meaningful way? The Boogaloo Boy memes. Okay. It's I'm are assuming memes it's not legal. I thought memes weren't legal. Oh, that's true. Memes aren't legal in your country. I don't even know what meme you're talking about, so uh, well, so Boogaloo Boys, it's a thing It's a thing here in America that's very based on American culture. Um, for us, they've been trying for a couple months to paint these particular group of people as, uh, you would say, as right-wing white supremacist types. But what it actually is, for the most part, is it basically a group of a group of soldiers, and I say group loosely, it's really just people that through podcasting and stuff have found themselves kind of waiting for the inevitable where they think that their government is going to do exactly what it's doing and we're going to need to fight back. And most of them, uh, in my experience, are former soldiers, guys that we have sent off to the Middle East who came back and realized what the horse shit we were doing over there was and then came back like with a lot of training and a lot of anger at what they were forced to do, saying, right. okay, well, eventually the time's going to come where we're going to have to react to what you do. And they're, they, the, they refer to it as like the Boogaloo or the the Great Luau or the... <laughs> there's been a lot of names for what it is. But the idea being like the second uh, 
they the people that want to paint them as white supremacists say the second civil war i think in their minds it's the second revolutionary war but <laughs> i'm curious i guess that answers the question yeah so that's not something you guys probably hear about over there at all no, we don't don't hear about that but you know there's similar things happening everywhere in a sense mm. i know like a very good friend of mine stays in the east of germany and you know the story about the berlin wall coming down and all that but apparently there's well, not apparently, I've been, they are still very different countries. Oh, really? East of Germany, um, where am I going with this? There's a party that's formed in Germany now, and it was formed by uh, a doctor or immunologist and a human rights lawyer that formed, formed this political party because they don't believe in the narrative that's coming out of the media, that's coming out of the World Health Organization. Mm. And in the matter of... Well, you know, I just, I just uh, look at the numbers and the numbers tell numbers me not to believe. <laughs> they tell me not to believe the thing they say. Don't add up at all. But what I want to say is that within a month, I think, or two months, they became the fourth most, fourth biggest political party in Germany. Wow. Oh, wow. And the media is just slinging mud at them, calling them right wing you know, right, really right wing extremists. It's the same kind of thing you're talking about. Yeah. Basically, there's this one line that the media is pushing and anyone that doesn't follow that one line, 90%, let's say, or more, well, like, is a right as a right wing I mean, extremist. Your your country's way better at it than ours is. Like they 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 try over here, but like we we do have a First Amendment right that while it may not be perfect and it doesn't go as far as I'd like it to necessarily, like it does do well that people notice it and people genuine generally kind of give a shit about it. I mean, some of the stuff that they've pulled with Tommy Robinson or Sargon over there or Carl Benjamin, whatever it would be called over in the UK. Um some of the stuff they've pulled with them, just fucking, can, I, I can't even imagine like a government trying to pull that, like trying to quell dissent. I mean, it's it's frustrating. Like the things that Tommy's been thrown in jail for, and you're just like for showing up places, essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it's frustrating, and he, I don't even necessarily agree with everything Tommy says, but it's like he, not even having the ability to speak about it really frustrates me. Yeah, yeah. Is that, that something whole- that like you guys kind of grow up knowing and just kind of? Stay in line or don't, or is it- no, not really. It's like more like this whole hate speech thing. You know what what gets constituted as hate speech, as far as I can tell, pretty much across the world has become inclusive of more and more things that aren't basically hate speech. Um, yeah. So we we see that kind of thing going on just now, but. So- so it but has I'm been not, a change for you guys too. It's not like well, definitely like it's just it's sometimes over here it feels like we're kind of being forced to catch up with things that have kind of already taken place in the UK. Like, that's that's how it feels to us over here, and that may not be accurate. But I mean, it's when you're not over in a culture, you don't really know, and that's kind of the way people treat it. Yeah, it's it's hard to say for me as well. I'd say I can't really. I'm just noticing, obviously, from social media that the same things. Um, the same restrictions more often are getting um, implemented across borders. Yeah. You know, say yeah. 10, 15, 20 years ago, one country might try something, then, you know, two, three years later, another country will do the same thing. But now, like, it's coordinated on a global level. Yeah. Uh, is is that frightening to you at all? Like it's so, definitely, it's definitely frightening. Like, for, for, um, for me, like, I don't want to tell anyone how to live their life. But it really, really frustrates me thinking that my option to opt out is taken away. Yeah, it really is. It really is. I've been watching, you know, every now and then I like to watch a nature documentary or a doc- documentary about um, a nomadic, you know, nomadic peoples. And geez, like even the idea like of being able to go and try to live for two, three years, say, with a nomadic people. I'm not saying that's something that I would do. But that exists less and less as well, you know? Oh, yeah. There's like every bit of land is accounted for, pretty much. You can't just go somewhere and do something without someone telling you about some regulation. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's a lot harder to find that. And yeah, it's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere, you know? Well, what's even worse than that? I mean, so like some people got smart and like, okay, well, the oceans are uh, international territory. So like, we'll go find some spots in the ocean. We'll start communities in out in the out in the water. And yet people manage to, like, you, you try and do that. And next thing you know, you're wanted for you know, countries to murder you. Because they think you're a threat to their autonomy by existing. Okay. I don't know if you, you did you if you followed the seasteading movement at all. No, I've not even heard of it. Yeah, no. the first the first seastead 
was tipped off that the government to the country that they, by the way, they had permission to do this. They were outside of a country. I was, I don't know, French Polynesia. I can't remember exactly where that that specific one was, but basically the government, they put a, put a warrant out on their head saying that they were threatening the nation by existing after giving them permission to do it. And all it was, was like a little 12, I think a 12 foot by 12 foot, essentially a boat out like in a static place. And the mm-hmm. idea was for, for seasteading was you get a bunch of these places and create cities on the water mm-hmm. outside of jurisdictions. Hey, we're, yeah. we, 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 we're, we, we won't try and change you, but we want to do our thing. And I think they were there two weeks and then the government came for them. Luckily someone tipped them off and they got away, but oh yeah, like you can't even, you can't even leave and go live in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> Apparently no. it seems like. Yeah, they've, they've got it pretty well sewn up now. Uh, I don't know, you know, wh- where you've come from to to what you believe nowadays, but um, oh, I lost my train of thought. I would have been like a hardcore leftist at one point. Okay, and like okay. now I'm, I, you know, basically the same shit your brother believes in. So <laughs> yeah, um, I I came out with the. I guess I got into like spiritual stuff when I was early twenties, and then I moved a little bit into like your conspiracy theories, and then. I mm-hmm. went through a crazy phase of like two years where I was really into the free man on the, on the land movement. Okay. Hmm. Did you ever get into that at all? I've, I've never heard of it, but I, I like the idea I'm, I'm of really it. curious. Oh, wow. Um, free man on the land movement is basically, you know, that the government, nobody can tell you what to do and you can't tell anybody what to do. Like it got a lot of flack because some people went a bit nuts with it and it got okay. into the whole thing about legal language and how this, we've got this parallel language to English called legalese, which looks like the same language right. and it's not the same language. And right. it goes into all the paradoxes in law, like you have the right to remain silent, but then if a cop pulls you up for something, what happens if you say, look, I'm just going to be quiet. Are they going to accept that? You know, right. Um, there's lots of really interesting stuff in there. But um, something... Well, there's lots of people that I know, like within like the libertarian or anarchist movements that I'm that would just would tell you rights are a fiction. They're not something that actually exists because there's no way to ensure them. So you have the rights that you can eke out for yourself and it's going to be a struggle to maintain them no matter what. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, there's no solid answers. I mean, you said something that got me onto this this track, but I've actually forgotten what it was. The- um, well, no, because I, I, you say free man on the land and I, that, makes, uh, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I, I would imagine, especially like with your, uh, <laughs> your cultural heritage, that that's, uh, that's probably a big deal. It probably has something to do with the Scottish, yes. Yeah, well. Freedom! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I know that, like, even, so what's, the the way that the story is written, though, is, like, even over here in the States, like, our our southern people, like, that's where the Scottish people moved to in the country when they kind of migrated over. Okay. And so, like, the, we would call, like, you know, the rednecks of, you know, the South, um, you know, the South will rise again kind of people. A lot of that, I guess, is apparently rooted in, like, the the fact that a lot of those people have the um, Scottish culture that they're from that kind of filtered into that. There's a rebellious nature just in that that they kind of carry with them, which I, is something I was never really aware of because I don't really. All I ever worried about was the Italians and the Irish. And okay, right, sure. that's my, that's yeah. my people. I got, I get you. Yep. <laughs> but it, but it is fascinating to see, you know, how like geogra- geogra- geography, you know, affects things like that and how people kind of deal with it. For sure. Well. Uh, I hate to cut it there because, I mean, this has been a, a fascinating call. I'm uh, really happy we got to talk about music and we're happy we got to talk about politics. Um, we said we'd keep you an hour and it's been actually a little over that. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> anything you want to uh, promote? Oh, yeah. Uh, we could... Really force out while we got you here? Um, I suppose I should throw up my websites. We've got www.meandmyguitar.com. We've got zanzajams.com, that's Z-A-N-Z-A-J-A-M-S.com. That's for the collab with Lee Scratch Perry. And those are the two main ones. So, Well, it was uh, it was great getting to talk to you there, Jonathan. Likewise. Jonathan, real- Jonathan Samurai, <laughs> as it says on the screen. That's Fun. my Facebook handle. Nice. So, all right. Well, you have yourself a good one. And thus, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks so much, guys. I loved it.
and evil spirits. Devil family, royal family, no demon blood. To me concern, repent, repentance. All right, babe. Yep. Oh, what do you think? Haven't haven't done it. Uh, yeah, I dug it. He's a cool dude. I uh, glad we got to talk to him. So he's a. Uh, I'm glad we get to talk to all the people we talk to. It's fun. Yeah, actually, you know, uh, it's really been kind of an awesome thing doing the show. Really grateful for it, and uh, grateful to get that time to, to hang out with you and, and cool people every week. It's uh, pretty awesome. I like hanging out with cool people. Mm-hmm. You want to move to the UK? anymore you know i did like my whole life growing up and then they started doing all this crazy like controlling stuff and no for the past like probably three three years or so well, no no I no. what wanna... you mean is you you learned that they were doing all this crazy controlling stuff yeah maybe maybe i just wasn't aware and they were doing it anyway but yeah no there's i mean the irony being of course that we left them because they were doing crazy controlling stuff and that's why the americans laughed but right you know that's what's that mean what where, where does that happen in history Two weeks ago, right? Yeah. So yeah, actually living there doesn't really have as much appeal as it as it used to, unfortunately. I'd still love to visit at some point, maybe. How about New Zealand? 